You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. afternoon welcome to a special episode of review and preview folks i am your host tom scavetta here on this friday afternoon we are going or myself i'm going to be interviewing sny sports anchor Eamon mcenany who will be joining us live and he is backstage right now i'm about to get him up for all of you uh he works for the new york mets we're going to talk about a lot of what's been going on for the New York Mets this season. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, And without further ado, let's uh, waste little time and get him right up. Eamon McEnany, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. So um, I know you work for SNY, and I definitely wanted to talk to you about the New York Mets, who are mathematically still alive in playoff contention as of today, but they would have to win out, obviously, a lot. Uh, fans considering this a disappointment of a season in 2020. What do you think specifically has gone wrong putting this team on the outskirts? Uh, I think it was that rut of no clutch hits, um, and then there were certainly some bullpen issues earlier when they let some games get away, but the bullpen's kind of been uh, solidified. I think the biggest thing was early on in the year when they just couldn't, you know, when they were so bad in situational hitting and runners in scoring position, they they just let so many games get away and they never really put together that long winning streak. I think that in uh, instability in the starting rotation as well, certainly losing Syndergaard and uh, Stroman and having a subpar year to say the least from Steven Matz um, did not help at all. So I, I think that's some of the biggest things. But I, I think overall the biggest reason why the Mets, if they fail short and don't make the playoffs, uh, will be a lack of situational hitting and not getting those big hits with runners in scoring position earlier in the year. Definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. I feel like every game I've watched this year, Eamon, a lot of runners left on base, a lot of missed opportunities. So they'd have to win out. They'd have to jump teams like Philadelphia, potentially Miami, Milwaukee, and San Francisco. So definitely an uphill battle these last three days, although they do play the last place nationals tonight. So I'm excited to see if the Mets are able to make a little uh, miracle magic off of that. So, um, but anyway, COVID-19 Amen uh, significantly impacted all the teams around the league, but how do you think the Mets as a team approached the 2020 campaign with all of these moving parts? Uh, I think they did a really good job approaching uh, how to play in 2020. I think Brody Van Wagenen set the tone. I think the players took the uh, protocols very seriously. I mean, obviously they had, you know, the positive cases out of the when they went down to Miami. I'm not really sure how that happened. It was minimal. You know, it didn't. It wasn't an outbreak like the Marlins or Cardinals situation. Um, but I, I think they they approached it really well and um, handled it as best they could. I, I think a lot of teams. Uh, really had no idea, not say no idea, because obviously none of us did, but it was an unpredictable year to say the least. So I think the Mets uh, handled that well. Uh, certainly, I think the opt-outs, I, I don't think the uh, opt-out by Cespedes was as big a deal. I think, in fact, it was a positive because it allowed Dom Smith to get more playing time, and he had a great year, um, a breakout year. Uh, but certainly losing Stroman, uh, even though I don't think he was as consistent as a Met and as dominant as he may believe he was, 
uh, still to lose that quote unquote number two starter was a huge blow to the Mets chances here in 2020. I completely agree, especially after Syndergaard um, having his Tommy John surgery. Stroman was that number two guy. Uh, speaking of Marcus Stroman, I mean, it seemed like the Mets were entering 2020 with a stacked rotation. I just mentioned the Syndergaard in- injury and Stroman opting out. How do you evaluate Marcus Stroman a year later, considering he's bound to be at all? Um. You know, I take a look at Marcus Stroman as a free agent, and I, I would not make him a high priority, but, I mean, I think you got to put all your eggs in the Trevor Bauer basket. I really do. And I understand you're probably overreacting to one great year from Trevor Bauer, but if I have X amount of dollars, if I'm Sandy Alderson and presumably Steve Cohen says you can, you know, spend X amount of money on a pitcher, I'm going to go all after Trevor Bauer. Uh, and then, you know, maybe circle back if I lose out on Trevor Bauer and get Marcus Stroman after that. I don't think it's a done deal that Marcus Stroman comes back to the Mets. So, um you know, he's a good pitcher, uh, but he was inconsistent in his half a season with the Mets. That's why I would have liked to have seen him come back this year to, you know, to really judge him in New York. You know, he talked a lot about dominating in spring training. And then when he came back for the, you know, the summer camp, he talked about dominating. Even when he got hurt, he said, it's not going to be a big deal and I'm going to be back. And then, boom, he opted out. So that, that, that kind of confused me. I mean, certainly he has every right to opt out. It's his life and it's his health. Um, but now, after what I've seen from Trevor Bauer and him going to be a free agent and the Mets supposedly, you know, presumably having a few more bucks in the coffers, uh, I would make Trevor Bauer a top priority over Marcus Stroman. And he's Trevor Bauer, he's competing with Jacob DeGrom for the National League Cy Young Award. Jake continues to prove his case for a third straight National League Cy Young following 14 strikeouts on Monday night. Eamon, where does he stand right now among these elites in the National League? Well, I mean, certainly I think you could argue he's the best pitcher in baseball. And if you had one game to win, uh, you would take Jacob deGrom. You just don't want to bring the Mets or the Mets bullpen with them. I say that tongue-in-cheek just because he's had such awful luck. Although this year there have been a few games where they they have broken out the bats and uh, scored some runs for him. Um, But I I don't think he'll win the Cy Young. I think there might be some deGrom fatigue giving it to someone else, although that should be no reason for a vote. And I think the fact that Trevor Bauer's pitching well down the stretch – uh, for a team that's probably going to, he's probably going to propel into the playoffs, will definitely help him. So I, I think Bauer will get the Cy Young uh, if the season ended today, but I think they probably have one more start each. Interesting um, situation. Yeah, the Grom starts Saturday and uh, Bauer, similar situation, maybe not so similar to the Grom in 2018, but Bauer does have a couple of more losses where the Grom did and still won it. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, in a shorter season, if the losses are factored in as much, I wouldn't think so. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see for sure. The Grom's been averaging like eight, nine strikeouts a game, a start. So, you know, it's going to, I think those two are probably your top two. And you Darvish has impressed a lot too. So, right. I mean, you Darvish has had a great year. I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I was watching uh, his game on Sunday night on ESPN. He gives up a home run which, you know, elevates his ERA because it's been so low. But a three-run homer, you know, almost makes it feel like skyrocket. And Alex Rodriguez and uh, Matt Vazgersian says, well, there goes his chances to win the Cy Young. Um, And they were being somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also the fact that, you know, he's no longer the league leader in ERA because of that home run. And that opened the door for uh, Bauer and DeGrom. 100%. Uh, Tom Scavetta here with SNY TV sports anchor Eamon McEnany. Uh, Thank you again for joining me. Next question is about a guy who 
flew under the radar early on in the season, but now he's emerged as that number two guy in the rotation in David Peterson. Pleasant surprise. He pitched seven strong in last night's win. Where do you see him heading with this team into next year? And do you think he'll be a part of this 2021 rotation? Oh, I think he'll definitely be a part of the 2021 rotation, especially since now. I mean, you don't really know what you can do with Steven Matz. I mean, you go back to the summer camp when everyone was talking about how great Matz looked like, how great Matz looked. You know, you were expecting, again, a big year from Steven Matz like we've been holding out hope for, and it went the exact opposite. You know, you hate to say it because he's a good guy. He's homegrown, almost literally, coming from Long Island. But he's just had an awful year. So if you, you, you if you stack your rotation for 2021 and you're a Met fan, it's got to go to Grom, hopefully Bauer, uh, Seth Lugo, and then Peterson. I mean, you want to flip flop Peterson or Lugo? I have a little bit more faith in Seth Lugo just because he's a little bit more experienced. But I think Peterson is definitely in your rotation as a, as a number four guy. Um, you know, so again, also you obviously hope Syndergaard comes back. So maybe he's your five. I mean, Syndergaard, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from a guy coming back from Tommy John surgery. But um, I, so that would look, you know, if you're a Met fan and you think you're going to spend the way you can spend, you have DeGrom, Syndergaard, hopefully Trevor Bauer or Stroman, uh, Lugo and Peterson. That's a, that's, that's a pretty healthy, pretty good rotation if everyone stays healthy. Very solid rotation. Peterson 4-0 and in night games this year. I was looking that up a few nights ago. And I was like, wow, he's been. He's been pretty strong out there. Um, no doubt. Sticking with the pitching here, Eamon, the Mets brought in free agents Michael Waka and Rick Porcello on one-year deals, but neither pitcher has really panned out, combining for just a 2-10 and 10 record. Do you think either of them return in any capacity next year? Uh, I'd be shocked. I, certainly it's not a uh, top priority for Sandy, presumably Sandy Alderson and whoever, and Brody Van Wagen, and if, uh, if he stays around with Sandy. Uh, you know, they did not impress this year. Uh, they, they, you know, they've had some down years coming in. They were hoping, the Mets were hoping for bounce-back years. The Mets certainly weren't also hoping to rely on these guys as much as they have. You know, they were hoping, you know, Matt Stroman and Syndergaard uh, would be there and that these guys could sort of be long relievers or number fives. So I, I would be surprised if either one of those guys is, on the, is in the Mets rotation next year. I have a uh, comment from one of the watchers. Uh, my good buddy Jeff, the team defense has been poor this year. What should they do realistically? Because it seems like range has been an issue with so many spots. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they have a lot of guys out of position. You know, they still have guys playing, you know, Dom's in the outfield. You know, Pete Alonso is not going to remind you of Don Mattingly or Keith Hernandez at first base. Uh, I can't come up with a great fielding uh, right-handed first baseman, so I always go back to when I was a kid. Uh, you know, McNeil, you know, is all over the place. J.D. Davis is not a, a great third baseman. He's a serviceable third baseman. Uh, you would hope Jimenez, uh, uh, could, you know, is, is going to be an upgraded shortstop. But, you know, they, Brandon Nimmo, not an elite outfielder. So they just don't have great fielders. And that's so it's going to be a problem. And I think in this day and age, you know, especially this year where it was just sort of a convoluted year, um, you're not going to have guys take an extra infield or extra outfield at the park because they're supposed to be at the park as little as possible. But again, you just don't have great uh, defensive players and you don't have guys really who own a position. And Ramos behind the plate certainly, you know, just continues to sort of, you know, make mistakes, not make mistakes, but just doesn't dazzle you behind the plate. So that's another uh, question mark. Probably a reason why they acquired Robinson Chirinos, too, uh, would make a lot of sense. 
Uh, my next question is actually about Edwin Diaz, who is starting to turn things around after a troubled start to the year. What do you attribute his recent success to? Uh, I mean, look, he's always had the stuff. Uh, we know that even last year when he was giving up, you know, home run after home run, it'd be amazing. You'd see him dominate one batter and make him look silly, strike him out. And then the next guy would somehow take him deep for a heartbreaking home run. So, you know, he has the stuff, um, you know, you can call me a cynic here, but I think the fact that there's less uh, dealing with the media and no fans, I think has a lot to do with it here in New York city. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I think the fact that he's confident in his stuff and that there's a little bit less pressure in an empty stadium and no media in the clubhouse. I would agree with that for sure. And it seems like you think Seth Lugo has potential to be a starter next year. So that's that could potentially be one less arm in the bullpen. But they still have Familia on their contract and then Justin Wilson, who's looked sharp at times as well. So. You know, hopefully that's been an issue for and years Betances, now. Betances certainly was not, you know, needs to be healthy because he could be, you know, if he ever regains the form he had with the Yankees, you know, that could be the elite bullpen that Brody Van Wagenen thought he had put together uh, in the offseason. For sure. Uh, speaking of health, Jed Lowry did not play a game this season and Yoannis Cespedes obviously with the early season opt out. However, the Mets, they've been hitting really well. I looked this stat up, Eamon, and they actually – they have the best team batting average in baseball. I think it's around 273. Who specifically has stepped up in their places and stuck out to you? Oh, it's Dom Smith. I mean, Don, you know, Yoenis Cespedes opting out uh, created a ton of opportunities uh, for Dom Smith, uh, and he took it and ran, and he's having a great year. You also got a bounce back year from Robinson Cano. He's having a great year that he didn't have last year, so that's going to help the batting average uh, as a team. But when you talk about the surprise at the plate or with the bat for the Mets, it's got to be Dom Smith. And kudos to him because, you know, he's been – I don't want to use the word struggling, but he's been, you know, looking to find his role and create a role and get those consistent at-bats. And he finally got him with the DH and Cespedes opting out, and he kicked that door down. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him. And uh, I hope he, you know, can carry over for the next few years or, you know, because he's still a young guy, uh, you know, former number one pick. And, you know, obviously he seems to be a great guy. So you hope that, you know, this is a launching pad for him for the next five to ten years. And another three hits last night, too. So got to be happy with that result. Um, I agree. Cano and McNeil, they've both racked up hits. Another guy, Michael Conforto, uh, who was recently placed on the IL, I believe yesterday, worked on his swing a lot in the offseason on the West Coast, and it showed career-high 322 average. He improved with his bat, and is he a guy the Mets should lock up long-term? Uh, yes, but I don't think it's a high, I don't think it's a top priority in the off season. I would make it, you know, priority number three behind uh, JT Realmuto and Trevor Bauer. And then you get to work at, uh, extending him. It's not going to be easy, you know, cause of the agent, uh, he's coming off a career year. So you're, you're buying, or you're buying high, you know, if you were doing this, you know, instead of last year. Um, so certainly if you're the Mets, you want Michael Conforto to be here for the next 10 years. You want him to be that captain type of guy. Uh, homegrown, good guy, uh, as you mentioned, worked hard and finally had that year where he was consistent. I mean, it's tough to judge, you know, in a, where he's going to play less than 60 games. So, but still, he had that year. So I definitely think if you're Sandy Alderson uh, and Steve Cohen and Brody Van Wagen, and he's a guy you want around here for a while, but you got to take care of Real Mudo and Bauer first, I think. You definitely have to get 
Real Mudo because that is a, a void for your team right now, and he's going to be out there. And uh, I don't think if you're the New York Mets, I understand that he doesn't spend like a drunken sailor, that is reputation, but still this is an investment you want to take care of in JT Real Mudo. Anchor Eamon McEnany, uh, recapping the Mets season. Uh, my next question, you just talked about how Bauer and Real Muto are the top two priorities. Although the Steve Cohen transaction, it's not fully complete yet. Uh, Mets fans are very excited now that he's calling the shots in New York. Already brought back Sandy Alderson as the team's president recently. But how do you see him operating the organization in the near future? Does it start with those guys, or do you think the front office needs a little cleanup? Uh, I mean... I think he's going to let, I think one of the big reasons why he brought Sandy in from the reporting about it um, is that to let baseball know that he's going to have a serious baseball guy run his baseball operations. And, and he's sort he's not going to be this, um, you know, uh, spend it all cost owner. So I think Sandy Alderson is going to have a major influence on how this team is run, obviously. And we've seen that before. I just think it'll be a little different in year one because I think the new owner uh, is going to want to make some form of splash. I think you've already felt the energy and the enthusiasm um, from the fans, uh, just sort of imagining what he'll do and what this you know, new ownership group will be like. And I think when you have two free agents out there that could fill major voids, I think you have to take care of it. I don't think they're going to be, um, you know, I, dare I say like the Yankees, uh, but I don't think the Yankees have been like the Yankees lately. But I, I think you go back to the 2009 Yankees. They wanted to build a championship team, so they overspent. They overpaid for CC Sabathia. They overpaid for Mark Teixeira. They overpaid for A.J. Burnett, and they won a championship. Now, two of those three guys you know, were productive for a long time. Burnett wasn't, but you know, it was worth it. They were also going into a new stadium, and they had missed the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So I, I think if you're, the Mets are in a similar situation with a new ownership, not a new stadium, and you have two huge free agents that could improve your ball club um, that are close to sure things. I mean, I understand Bauer um, is a, you know, has been inconsistent at times, and Real Muto, um, you know, is not Johnny Bench, as we jokingly said when he was uh, uh, when they thought they were going to trade for him. Uh, but I think they'll take care of those things. And uh, after that, it's going to be tough to tell. You don't really know what Steve Cohen as an owner's like. You can read all the articles you want. Obviously, he's very successful and he's very smart. But I think he's going to let Sandy Alderson hire people that Sandy Alderson knows and trusts and let them run a baseball team. A lot of good points and insight right there with – uh, what could potentially be happening for the future of this uh, organization. Pete Alonzo, he's been hitting around 200 this year, uh, worst among the starters, and he's really struggled on the road, but he still has that powerful bat, the 13 home runs. Why hasn't Alonzo been able to burst out onto the scenes in year two? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself to live up to last year. I think clearly he's getting pitched differently than last year. I mean, even though the adjustments are made a lot quicker uh, in, you know, in this with the technology now than, say, in the past, but I, I just think now everyone knows that they have to get focused on Pete Alonso and getting him out and finding the holes in his swing. And, you know, when you, when you put too much pressure on yourself and you carry the weight of the world with you to every at-bat as opposed to when you're having a blast of a season as a rookie, it's a completely different approach. Uh, you know, I think Pete Alonso is going to have a fine career and a great, great career. You mentioned that the power is still there. Uh, I think he's obviously clearly better than a 200 hitter. 
But I, I just think he's putting too much pressure on himself, and he's trying to hit a five-run homer every time up there. I completely agree with you. He's a guy that, you know, a lot of fans like. He, he a lot of emphasis, um, a lot of pride, too, in this Mets organization, which is, you know, with David Wright leaving a couple of years ago, it's definitely a guy you look towards as potentially the future of this team, certainly. Um, so Porcello takes the mound tonight against Max Scherzer, who is attempting to finish with a winning record for the 11th straight year. Now, this is going to be a big challenge for this team, considering Scherzer being on the mound. Um, Porcello's really struggled. Do you think um, – what type of strategy should the Mets take against Scherzer tonight lineup-wise as far as trying to get to him early? Because it seems Scherzer gets better as the game goes along. Yeah, I mean – it's tough to have a strategy against Max Scherzer. I mean, the Mets don't really run as a team. No one really hits and runs anymore. I mean, it's pre- you pretty much just go up there and grip it and rip it, you know, uh, as, a, as a team. So I, strategy seems to be a lost art in baseball here. You know, I, I think you got to attack them and keep your fingers crossed that Porcello keeps you in the game. Um, you know, it should be, it's interesting, you know, when you're playing a team that's in last place and not going anywhere, obviously Scherzer will be motivated. But, you know, the rest of the Nationals, that motivated, you, I guess you kind of keep your fingers crossed that they might have, you know, some of them have checked out for the year and can't wait for the season to get over. Uh, but I think you just try to hope to make it a bullpen game and, you know, try to work up Scherzer's pitch count and get to him if you can. But, uh, you know, hope Porcello keeps you around. You know, like you mentioned, though, it's an uphill battle. You can't like this matchup in a game you have to have. Although it seems like the Mets' backs are against the wall, I think having a locker room guy like Todd Frazier back is was a decent acquisition for them, considering Jed Lowry being out all year. Um, what are your thoughts on the DH in the National League? I, I wanted to ask you that um, because it seems like are they talking that this could be a thing heading into next year, or does it go back to the traditional Yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure what the rules are of the collective bargaining agreement and how that's going to work. But I think I mean, I think it's inevitable that you're going to have the DH in both leagues. I think now that we've had it and we've lived with it, um, you know, I I think I think they'll uh, the the skids are greased for it to be in there. And I want it there. I mean, I understand the strategy and I understand the National League fans, you know, are so against it. But I mean, who wants to see the pitcher hit anymore? Uh, You know, it's extra jobs. I'd much rather watch, you know. A John Carlos Stanton get an at bat than a pitcher. A Dom Smith get an at bat, or a Pete Alonso get an at bat than a pitcher. I think that's what the fans want. Um, I understand it makes for longer games because it's more tougher outs. But you know, if you have a starting pitcher, who, you know, again, again, lost art. But you want to give one more inning to, you don't have to worry about pinch hitting for him. So I, I think there's two things that 2020 have uh, greased the skids for, and unfortunately, well, the DH is one of them, and unfortunately, I think it's the runner on second and extra innings is going to be one of them too. Interesting. The runner in second innings definitely speeds things up. I know they've been trying to speed the games up for a while now, so that's um, that's going to be. I don't, I don't know if I'm like the biggest fan, but I mean, it definitely is a, is a factor because you see teams sometimes in like longer inning games, especially National League games that are typically lower scoring because of the pitcher uh, spot. That these games just last a lot longer, and I think it does. Uh, benefit a guy like Dom Smith to have yeah. that DH in there. No, definitely the DH. But, you know, the other thing is the last couple of years, these extra inning games have gone so long because right now the sport of baseball really is nothing but a home run or a strikeout. So now, at least with runners with a runner on second base, 
there's a, you know, a motivation to just get a base hit or to bunt them over. You know, the other, the other, the reason why these extra inning games were going so long was because no was on, no one was on base and it was all just strikeouts or home runs. So I think that's a huge difference now. Um, plus, you know, base hit ends the game and they want to get these games over with. So um, I, I think, I think that's coming down the pike as well. That's a really good point. Eamon, I have one last question for you here. And fans, if you have any uh, questions for Eamon, feel free to comment in the stream. We will be happy to get back to you. The Mets schedule this year, so they played all the National League East teams and all the American League East teams. I like that format considering with COVID-19, you're limiting the contact with um, you know certain teams. But we could potentially see um, you know, if the Mets somehow – some way get into the playoffs, you could see them playing against teams that they haven't faced all year. And, you know, it's, it's been tough because, you know, you sit, you're sitting here and they're playing the last place nationals, but they haven't looked great against the division this year, slightly under 500. Um, I'd be interested to see what would happen if the Mets were to play a team in the central or the West, see how not even just the Mets, like a team in the playoffs that hasn't, come into contact with a team like that all season long. I don't know. What were your thoughts about that happening in the playoffs for the first time? Potentially? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, kind of exciting for the sport. You know, you think about it, you haven't seen the Cubs all year in New York, you know, and you get, you get the Yankees, they could be going up against a twins team or an exciting white Sox team. And you haven't seen them all year. I mean, I think it's going to be great to all of a sudden, you know, you know, see, you know, fresh new faces and get to know about them. I mean, I think here in, you know, New York, you get a little tired of seeing the Marlins and the Blue Jays or the Rays, you know, all the time. I think it's going to, you know, I think it'll be exciting to have some of the new matchups. And now, as I say that, watch it be the Yankees against the Rays in the first round. But, uh, uh, you know, I think it'll be exciting to all of a sudden see, oh, yeah, that's right. Anthony Rizzo is a pretty good baseball player or whoever they're going to, you know, face in, you know, they might face in the playoffs. I'm really excited to see the MLB playoffs. And Eamon, I wanted to thank you again for joining me today and taking the time. Really appreciate all the insight on this stuff because it's not your normal baseball year. So That is for sure. Definitely be interesting to see what happens next year. But Eamon, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. You got it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Have a little lag there. Okay. All right. That was Eamon McEnany. Um, great insight. Eamon's a good guy on SNY. Does a lot of good work. Um, apologies for the lag there, folks. Um, so just to recap, the Mets' last three games of the season, they're 4-3 and three against the Washington Nationals. Uh, they have three games left against them. And, you know, overall, I just think that it's going to be very enticing to see what type of lineup the Mets put out there in these last few games. We've seen Andres Jimenez bursting onto the scene. We've seen these younger guys getting playing time that are now, quite frankly, um, could potentially be faces of this team next year, whether it's Ahmed uh, Ahmed Rosario. J.D. Davis has been okay this year at times, but the injuries are definitely a factor that has always derailed the Mets season. So Eamon McEnany definitely brought up a lot of good points. Folks, if you want to watch this interview again, once I am off the air, it'll be up here on our Facebook page. I'll put the ticker again for you folks at review and preview sports. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, 
Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. We have three shows a week. Tuesdays, we have the North Pole, 6 to 7 p.m. It's an NFC North football-based show with, with uh, Gabe Fleeton. Wednesday, we have Review and Preview, 7 to 9 p.m., where we talk about all sports, NFL, MLB, NBA, hockey, you name it. And then Thursday, we have a New York Giants show called Big Blue Avenue that I host as well, 7 to 8 p.m. But if you want to catch what Eamon talked about, It'll be up just shortly. Really appreciate you guys joining me today and watching this live uh, broadcast. And again, thank, shout out to Eamon for taking the time. So long, everybody. Thank you for watching this special edition of Review and Preview here on Facebook Live.